Are you a believer in the power of supporting women's voices? Well, we've got an incredible opportunity for you. Momming While Muslims Patreon is here to make a difference and we need your help to amplify women's voices like never before. With Patreon, you have the power to support us and to make a difference. You can become part of an exclusive community that uplifts women's voices from diverse backgrounds and experiences for just the price of a cup of coffee. We can all amplify these amazing voices together. But that's not all, bonus. You'll get some pretty cool perks as well. Go to our Patreon and find out what those perks are and what level of support you'd like to give. Our goal is to reach 100 patrons by the end of the year and we believe you can make it happen. So what are you waiting for? Go to mommyingwellmuslim.com, hit the Patreon button to sign up today. Make a difference, be a part of something bigger and support Momming While Muslim's Patreon. Join us now and let's change the world one podcast at a time. You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy One Muslim Podcast. This is Uzma Jaffrey. As you can see, I am going to be flying solo today because Zeba had um, stuff to take care of for her kids today. So the show will go on. Uh, this episode, I believe, will be airing. Well, I forgot when it will be airing, but it will be this month. And October is a historic month because the first time in the 20th and 21st century, the largest scale attack has been made by Palestinians against Israel. There's obviously going to be an aftermath. We know that the Palestinian forces already knew that this was not something they were going to win, but it is a huge show of solidarity, a huge show of force for the first time by an oppressed people trying to literally break out of the prison that's been built around them. There's a lot of narratives uh, circulating right now that you'll see in the mainstream where everybody, of course, is lining up to support Israel. Every major government is doing it because of many, many reasons. Um, we are going to shift gears and um, instead of doing what we planned in December, we are going to be focusing just on Palestine and catching people up on what it's all about. Zeba and I have ironed out what we're going to do, and we will be scrambling to get experts on to explain to you why this is a big deal and why saying we stand behind Israel is a blatantly racist and um, blindfolded stance to have, especially when you don't have the facts. So we will have experts on to actually share it with you from both sides, um, not just from one side, not because we're journalists, but because we know that there's people on both sides and um, we have to talk about it. So stay tuned for that. And if you are an expert on Palestine, on the state of Palestine, then please come back. We just thought that that was uh, an appropriate thing to mention, especially for today's episode, because um, being halfway through October now, uh, we are still bringing back guests that you have been asking about. Hey, what about that sister who? Um, so the ones that we kept seeing come up, those are the ones that we invited back and um, today's guest is no different. It is Bahia Amawi, a speech pathologist by profession who came under the spotlight after losing her job for refusing to sign a contract that would require her to essentially promise never to boycott Israel. One citizen boycotting Israel. Mm, I don't know. Um, ever. She could never do it. Um, even outside of work hours, because of course, when we sign a contract with our jobs, they own our personal lives as well, right? Not. And of course, as we saw in our previous episode with her, she wasn't going to go down with a fight. We are so excited to get some updates for her. Welcome, Bahia. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here and it's good to see you in person. Well, you know. In person. <laughs> I know. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> One day, inshallah, we'll meet in person. We always look forward to that with our guests yeah. and, of course, with our audience members out there in the vast dark of the podcasting world, the darkness. Um, we'd like to kick off our podcast by asking a little bit about your momming story, whatever you're comfortable sharing about your children, basically. And then mm -hmm. what's your momming philosophy? How do you approach mothering? Yeah. 
Well, my mommy's story is I'm a mother of four wonderful children who I homeschooled and um, had a really uh, built a strong relationship with them. And my core was um, to teach them their religion. I wasn't too focused on Western education. I was more concerned about making sure that they learned their faith, the Quran, um, and, and they knew they were strong in their deen before they left me. Um, and that was really my goal. And alhamdulillah, I'm very proud of them. They've all met my expectations and above and that this is by the grace of Allah and I'm, I'm very grateful to Allah for helping me through this and my mommy philosophy is um, really to set to educate through example you know we teach our kids oh you have to go pray but better tell, tell them to pray you should tell them come pray with me you know we tell them go memorize Quran instead of that you need to be doing the memorizing Quran along with them. You know, we always tell them do this and do that, but we're not doing the same thing. So really to me, the best philosophy of teaching is through example. And I think that was evident as well with what I did with the um, taking the stand and making sure that my, you know, my kids learn from my example of uh, not letting someone bully you and censor you and it's your right to speak up. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. And I can't wait to get into that. But um, just to catch up people, tell us a little bit about your fa uh, family and professional background and why you do what you do. Yeah, so um, I'm a speech language pathologist. Actually, funny thing, I studied actually advertising as my bachelor's, hmm. which is really a funny thing, because I'm very artistic and I love art and I thought I could do it as a profession. But uh, the environment was not really suitable, I would say. Uh, that comfortable or suitable is a lot of foul language and very high stress and you're working with people who are not appreciative of you. Um, and you're just constantly working for without benefiting anybody, I felt mm -hmm. like it. So, you know, somehow I remember sitting there making a dry yellow, make me beneficial, you know, make me do something that's beneficial. And my, my family's all in the health field, actually. My, my siblings are doctors and, um, you know, nurses and my mom was an OT. My, you know, so I, my mom told me to come and check out um, this lady that I work with, this speech therapist, and just shadow her. And I saw it was actually a very creative field because it wasn't something in an office. It was very flexible. It, it involved so many things. And she was working with a, a hard of hearing child and she was doing sign language and playing with him. And I'm like, you know what? I really, I enjoyed that time with her. And so I decided to um, go back to school and, and do my master's in that field. And, and I wanted this, a field in the service field where I can feel like I, in the morning, I look forward going to work because yeah. I know there's, I'm benefiting people. I'm feeling gratitude and satisfaction with what I do. And that makes your life more meaningful. Um, and so Alhamdulillah, that Allah blessed me with that opportunity. And until this day, 20 years later, I, I still enjoy going to work. I do it as a contract now because I wanted to make sure I'm there for my children. I really believe in in, in having a parent at home. Really, the mom to me is 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 uh, is is a gem at home. It's, it's such a valuable, um, you know, thing to have the mom at home with the children and be present. My mom was always there for us, even though she worked. I felt like she was never absent. She worked at, in the evening, believe it or not, as a nurse, and so um, and so she was always there in the daytime. So I never felt like she was missing from our life. She at every event in school she was there with us in every moment and um i wanted to make sure i did that and more for my kids that's beautiful mashallah i i really appreciate that for those who are able to do it i think it's it's really an incredible investment in your children and really in yourself too because you find yourself less stressed mm -hmm. i find myself less stressed i have right. made compromises and lifestyle choices as a result like i Absolutely. don't work as much but what am i working for you know like do right. i really need right. to have that multi zeros after my salary um, that everybody else seems to think is necessary to live. I get it. We, we need two income households, but um, I, I think there's just ways to manage our expectations and some of our expenditures, even like what prioritize, right? So do you need mm -hmm. to have that dream star vacation two or three times a year? Right. Or can you just Absolutely. do it like maybe once a year, once every couple of years instead? So right. um, those kinds of things. Yeah. And, you know, do you have to buy yeah. a new car every so often? So mm -hmm. it, it's a matter of priority. You have to eat out every day. Yeah. You have to eat out every day. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, really, we do budget. We do budget. Yeah. And my kids know that. Yeah. And it's for a reason, yeah. you know, because they know why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And they, they now, even though sometimes they're like, well, you know, I want to go back to school. But now they see why. I did homeschooling and they say mom would never have our kids in public school. oh wow so, we want our kids <laughs> so they want to do the same thing because they see that it's what i prepared them for yeah and what 
how different they are from their friends who actually went to public school or private school or even Islamic school. Yeah, yeah. It's a different environment. And again, not everyone can do what we, you know, what I could do. And I'm not going to, you know, um, say anything negative about anybody else because everybody has their own abilities and capabilities and situations. And everyone, I'm sure, is doing the best they can with their children. Absolutely. And they make it easy on everyone. Absolutely. Just rewinding back to the art and being useful. We absolutely think there's a useful place for art. We know that mm-hmm. if anybody follows Banksy, do it. That is very useful art in my opinion. Um, so that's possible, but I'm glad that you chose this because I have a lot of respect for speech pathologists. I work very often with them and they are critical in my patient's care. They've been critical in my daughter's care. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, you guys are magical people. So I appreciate that. Um, for those who didn't get to hear your first episode with us, when we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, the big thing that you were doing, uh, why don't you give us a recap of that 2018, 2018, yeah. five years ago, you were with it. us. Isn't that crazy? Uh, tell us why you were here back in 2018 and what that meant for Muslim Americans. Yeah. So in, in 2018, I, when I went back to work in the fall, and school has just started and I was signing my contract that I sign every year. But apparently in the summer before, um, a law was passed among 800 other laws that was passed in Texas, literally, because they meet every other year, you know, they're, they don't meet yearly. So then when they pass their laws, 800 of them are passed mm-hmm. at one time. And it's like, you have no idea. Keep up, public citizens. Happened. You need to do your reading. And like, I was like, you expect us to know. So yeah. Like two two weeks into my work, I get this. Uh, my supervisor calls me and says, "Bahia, there's an addendum that's been added to the contract for contractors only, and I even I haven't looked at it. Please look at it yourself and just sign it so you can, you know, get back to work again." And so I, when she gave it to me, it was very lengthy, you know, and it, it was about six pages with a lot of small typo with jargon, legal jargon, which I barely understand. I'm truthful. I'm not, when I don't have knowledge of something, I'm honest to say. You I know? don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't claim I know something which I don't. So I told her I need a week to look at it. And when I was looking through it, some of it was basic stuff, you know, about um, discrimination in the workforce and, you know, labor laws and all the stuff. Um, but then they came up with the word Israel. And, and I, I remember turning the page and I, I saw it all at the bottom. And as a Palestinian, we see that word a mile away. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I, like, I didn't understand what does Israel have to do with my job as a speech therapist, working with early childhood children in elementary school setting in a small city in Texas. It, it, it baffled me. It doesn't make sense. Sense, you know, so I automatically, you know, refused to sign it. And I messaged my supervisor and I told her, I cannot sign this. I, I am Palestinian. This is. Oh, you but know, can you get into a, what what was the thing about Israel? Yeah. That was oh, the law. Yeah. I'm what sorry. Yes. The, law? The, the, law, the bill is that it asked me to confirm that I currently do not boycott the state of Israel or will boycott it during my term with the state of Texas. Um, so that was a huge, it, it's like general. It's so like general, there's not even specific yeah. or anything. And it really covered everybody. I mean, it, it affected everyone from students who are judging at debates in colleges, editors of newspapers and colleges, um, recipients of FEMA, um, you know, help from the hurricanes. Wow. I mean, it affected anyone that gets money physical money from the state, Mm -hmm. from the state of Texas. So it affected a lot of, not just Muslims, but in general, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were impacted by this, but no one ever said anything. So um, not in Texas anyways, but there were um, two other um, individuals that were already in in a filed a lawsuit in Arkansas and um, in the in Arizona um, that had already filed a lawsuit. And so I was the first one in Texas mm-hmm. to do that. And so when I told my supervisor I cannot sign this, she understood why. I said it's against my values and the First Amendment. This is my right as an American. And she actually, I'm, I'm very, I mean, I have friends with her. I've been working with her for so long. Um, so she's like, just cross over it and sign and I'll try to help you out with it. You know, and that's what I did. I crossed over it and initialed. Um, and she tried her best to help me out. But on, on, unfortunately, after two weeks, she called me up. And when she called me, I realized something was wrong. Um, and she said that if you don't sign it, you cannot come back to work the next day. So it was literally overnight I lost my job, literally. So it was just that quick. 
um, and everybody that receives my service, because I was only bilingual, Arabic bilingual speech therapist in that district, the whole entire district. So everybody counted on me. And actually relating districts, so they would call me up sometimes from other districts and say, hey, we have a, a kid who has home languages, Arabic, because it's it's required, um, you know, that we're, we test actually in the home language of the child to make sure to rule out dialect versus, you know, disorder. disorder yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, so that's the important thing. So you know whether what kind of treatment, whether he needs ESL, whether he needs actual speech language treatment and the kid doesn't waste his time in either one of those um, services. Um, and so there's a lot of people who actually, um, you know, were had a loss at that time because I was, I did not, uh, I wasn't able to return back to work. Yeah, that's incredible. So what happened as a result of that when you lost your job? So actually, I called a few um, civil rights organizations, um, but only CARE is the only one that answered. Council on American Islamic Relations, the only um, organization that actually answered my call. And immediately, um, like the following two days, had I was on a call with their big-time lawyer, um, um, Gadir. Um, and, and from there, they took care of me. They provided me with four lawyers, um, you know, all at no cost, you know, on my behalf. Um, they, they helped me, you know, interviewed me. They had, had in the intercept come and do an interview, which really that when I think that's what sparked the interest, the intercepts article mm-hmm. about what happened. Um, and I think it's, it's my story just really struck a chord with a lot of people because here's an everyday person who's just trying to live her life. Um, and the government is trying to impose something that, she doesn't believe it. And yet they're saying you have to if, you know, so it's, it was, I think, struck a chord with so many people, uh, Muslims, non-Muslims, Arabs, non-Arabs. And, and, um, and that's what really made it um, such a, you know, attention grabber. Yeah, it's just, it baffles me as an American citizen, how talking about a foreign government, foreign mm-hmm. government, not a foreign religion, a foreign right. government. Um, can affect my free speech in this country and that any state thinks that they can police our free speech in direct opposition to the Constitution of the United States, the federal law. It blows my mind. And I don't understand why other people are not having aneurysms on a daily basis because of this. But what was the result of your case, your lawsuit against the state of Texas? Right. So after the lawsuit, it took a whole year, the lawsuit to really um, eventually go into, a, you know, to be processed and all of that. I didn't realize actually it was expedited, which was like mm. blew my mind. I mean, because, you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, you know, I, I you know, the Allah made it easy on me um, and helped us through this, uh, you know, ordeal. But it, it, it's been expedited a whole year, a whole year without my work. I wasn't dependent on financially the job, alhamdulillah, you know, but I, for me, it was a service that I enjoyed doing because I knew that as a as a mom, you know, as a mom, when you come into a, a clinic and or a setting evaluation and you're worried about your child, it's nice to have a comfort, you know, as someone you recognize and something, someone that comforts you mm-hmm. that makes you feel, you know, okay, I'll be I'm fine, safe. you know, yeah. kind of thing. And exactly. So that was, that was something, the pleasure I used to get out of it. Cause I would see moms who are, their English is not that well, you know, they don't speak very good English and so forth. It, it comforted them when they saw me come in. And, and that was really the way I got it. So Alhamdulillah, I was in a year expedited. And then of course, uh, deliberation came out in, in, in April, which is the end of the school year. So I was able to continue working. And, and the federal judge, Judge Pittman, ruled in our favor and said the law was unamendable. It is, it is coercive, you know, and, and we used words that are really to show how um, it is appalling that this was even passed at all. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and I hear specifically that unamendable, you know, part was really important. But subhanAllah, even though he said that, the um, lawmakers still decided to go against the ruling of the federal judge of Texas, you know, and, and authority and his authority and decided to amend it. Um, and so that was just really disrespectful to and disregarding. I mean, it just it just shows the how have no regard for authority the or mm-hmm. the, the judicial system entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just um, it's really that shows the, how much what their intent is was not uh, to help people, but to help themselves. And we and we know that the people the who are paying them, them, basically, yeah, the right, lobbies. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, when you say uh, Texas the Texas courts decided anyway to amend the law. What did that mean? That they 
that that clause stayed? So basically what happened is they just changed who is impacted by the law. Instead of individuals, they said people who are companies who have 10 employees or more or um, have a contract with a state of $10,000 or $100,000 or more, excuse me, $100,000 or more. Oh. So that would be everyone's impact. Okay. Um, so people like me, individuals and- Because you are a contractor, um, students, so you're an individual. Yeah. Okay individual. I was self-employed. I was, I have no other employees. This is my private, um, you know, company. So, yeah. yeah. But that's still kind of privileged, right? Because supposing somebody can't afford to be a contractor because they need the benefits, Mm -hmm. they need to plan for retirement, you know, or somebody who, unlike you depended on those paychecks, what would happen to them? Right. You know, they're now part of this employment system. So they're stuck because that system, that public school system has more than 10 employees. So they have to make them sign that. So while you made a lot of headway and that's great, since that's happened, there's been like some states that have come forward and passed the Mm -hmm. same kind of laws in their states. So how does that affect what um, the work that you're trying to do and that other individuals mm-hmm. like in Arizona, you mentioned in Arkansas are trying to do mm-hmm. against the States saying, yeah. do not censor my speech. I can talk right. about any foreign government I want. I can talk about any PM I want and you can't stop me. Right. Yeah. So there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, progress and, uh, and, and, and some, you know, kind of, some not not so much progress, I guess you could say, both ways direction. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I mean, a lot of the even if the, the law is not passed in some state, the governor will, you know, execute his his you know his executive function ability and sign yep. it. And that's what happened in in several states. And has it has increased where now from twenty six original states now I believe we're at thirty three states that have passed mm-hmm. it. I think only a few were actually able to have it, you know, make sure it doesn't pass. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of times it still get passed. But, um, you know, the good thing is it's bringing attention. So there's always a positive to everything, you know, and it's bringing a lot of attention and awareness about this issue. Um, it's it's very hard when you have majority of the uh, the the House and Congress being run by, you know, Republicans or, you know, people are supported by evangelicals. Um, so it's, it's, it's very tricky in that manner. But, you know, you have to just, you know, that it's making shift. It's making a shift and we're making progress regardless. I mean, with Alan's case, for instance, in Arizona, he, um, and I'm sorry, in Arkansas, he took his case to the Supreme Court. So the Unfortunately, Supreme Court decided not to listen to his case at that moment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean he lost. It just means at that moment they didn't see the benefit of listening to it, which, which really was disappointing, um, to say the least. Um, but and I was hoping it would because I was sure that he would win for sure because he was he was unlike me. He's not Palestinian and he wasn't an activist like make the other play, the other person in Arizona. He was just an a- everyday person, American who respected the Constitution and enjoyed his freedom and did not want the government mess, mess, meddling with his you know affairs. Um, and so I think he had a very good chance of that. But again, you know, subhanAllah, always good things come out of everything. He has brought so much attention in Arkansas this issue where it wasn't even an issue at that time. No one thought about Palestine and Arkansas. Not in Arkansas. You know, <laughs> not in Arkansas. I think we know so, one out of from Arkansas. No, Alabama. Sorry. I take it back. <laughs> so it really is, like I said, this progress and, and, and still, you know, some delay in, in, the, in the movement. But when it comes to anything with politics, we know that that progress is going to be slow. It's going to be very slow. Um, and, and that's okay, because really we want the masses of people to really um, start being curious and wanting to learn more about this topic and, 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 and like just understand why is our government so heavily invested uh, to the point where the compromise our constitutional rights, the fabric of this country for a foreign oppressive country. And that's really what the key is to get out of this. You know, that's what we want people to come out of this. Every time there's a new lawsuit, it brings more attention. And, and that to us is a win. Yeah. Even if the lawsuit is brought by the state against the federal government saying we have the right to pass this law, I feel like that undermines the work that you're doing, but I love your take on it. Like, it's bringing up conversation. So that's helping me change my yeah. mindset, which I approve because I get frustrated. And I'm like, oh, look at these idiots, like coming back, like with some stupid stuff. Exciting news. The Asian Real Estate Association of America will be hosting their 20th national convention in Chicago, Illinois, from October 12th until the 14th. 
Guidance Residential Senior Vice President Hussam Qutub will be a distinguished speaker at the area event during the breakout session on Friday, October 13th from 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. The session will revolve around the compelling topic of the values of niche lending. You're invited to join Guidance Residential and be a part of this momentous occasion. Come together and pave the way for the future of the real estate industry by fostering collaboration and embracing innovation. See you there. We are talking about the agenda for why these laws are being passed in mm-hmm. American states for a mm-hmm. literal foreign state. So why mm-hmm. it's happening is because um, there's this increasing global campaign that is being passed by or being run by Israel and its supporters. So not just Israel alone, it has many, many supporters that are trying to combat this perceived threat of the boycott, divestment and sanction movement, the BDS movement. So do you want to review what BDS is? It's um, I feel like it's fitting in this conversation. Mm-hmm, sure. So BDS stands for the uh, boycott, divestment sanctions, um, and it started in around 2005 by Palestinian grassroots on the ground in Palestine, and it's aimed at the economy of Israel um, and boycotting any company, any Israeli companies or any companies that deal with Israel or anyone coming, any companies coming out of the occupied territories. Uh, and the point is to put pressure on Israel to change their behavior toward the Palestinian people and to prevent um, international support for the oppressive state of Israel. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I took. I'm personally, I'm, I'm not directly involved in the organization itself. Too. I was just doing my own part mm-hmm. because I feel like everyone has a role in this. You know, you don't have to be an activist and have to be a politician. Everybody has a role that they can take and you do what you're capable of doing. And that was my capability. That was my ability that I can do. And so I did it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so just like, you know, the Prophet said, if, says, said if he says, see something wrong, try to change it with your hand physically throughout unable to do it with your tongue if you're unable to just hate it in your heart so this is something i was able to do and i wanted to do my part you know and and so that's that's my take on yeah the bds movement is not just boycotting products and companies that um, directly support israel or support um products that israel uses to do its surveillance to do its nighttime raids Mm -hmm. to imprison palestinians Uh, without any uh, charges for as long as they want, um, all kinds of things, you know? So, you know, even like Hewlett Packard, like I don't buy their computers. Mm -hmm. So you can look up on um, BDS. If you look them up online, you can see what products and what companies um, there's a lot, there's a lot. And so can you get rid of every single product that supports Israel? Probably not. It's very pervasive because remember, they've also raised Palestinian homelands and built those factories there. Ben and Jerry's is one of the most famous ones to pull out because they got so much flack for it and they're known for their um, social justice activism. Right. And so with, I don't even think it was that much pressure on Ben and Jerry's, but I went a long time not eating Ben and Jerry's because of that. I wrote the letters. I'm a letter writer. I'm an email writer. So I did all of those things. And then eventually they pulled out. Even after they had sold the company to other rights, they were like, you can't use our name then. So that was really important. You know, companies can make differences, but they choose not to. This um, anti-BDS movement, this movement against anyone against using Mm -hmm. products and companies and services that support Israel in any way, shape or form, this anti-BDS movement is affecting college campuses in particular, which is why that clause was in that Texas law, because what do you have to hit? You have to hit the academic institutions that are teaching people to think bigger, think wider, think about the opposing point of view for once, for God's sakes. Don't just buy the narrative that you don't just drink the Kool-Aid, right? And that's the job of academics Mm -hmm. to study both sides of an argument and present it to create educated citizenry. But if you don't attack them first, then, um, you're just, you're going to lose. You have to get the intellectuals, right? Not just the regular citizens like you and me. Um, Another thing is visiting professors. So we exchange a lot of professors back and forth between Tel Aviv, Israel, whatever, and here. So don't do that anymore. Don't host their professors. Don't go over there. You know, lots of concerts are canceled in Tel Aviv or whatever because um, the BDS uh, activists 
really put a lot of pressure and petitions to these artists and say, don't go over there. Like you're going to lose sales from all the rest of us. And it's worked in some cases. And there are some artists who blatantly will go out and be like, we are not going to do that because we also boycott Israel, but because they're individuals, they can do it pretty safely right now. But if these kinds of clauses continue, which by the way, exist in 35 states in the United States where you can't speak against Israel, if they continue, what's to stop them from continuing to encroach on individual civil liberties, right? It is our right to speak out against anything. That was the whole reason, right? Like we had the American Revolution, not really, it was still money, but you know, we said it was for free speech and for representation, right? We don't have that. But the anti-BDS movement isn't just pushing like college campuses and big uh, systems like public education. Hello, they came after the public school system, you guys. That's the biggest pot of Kool-Aid we had. And that's why they had to write it into those contracts. 35 states, the majority of our overwhelming majority of our states are doing this, right? Um, And some of them have been, um, as you said, executive order by the governors. They've also, anti-BDS lobbyists, have uh, created this kind of spread in other countries too. So it's not just in the United States. So multiple European countries, um, I'm going to write, look at it over here. Multiple European countries are also working in anti-BDS clauses into their contracts. Um, They are saying boycott promoting activities are not allowed. Israel even banned, based on their um, reports of what's going on in Israel, Israel even banned Human Rights Watch because they said, you are, you know, this is part of your uh, BDS. Like you're trying, you're encouraging people to boycott and divest and sanction us based on the reports that you're sending out, which Human Rights Watch doesn't say to do that. They just say what's happening. But as a result of their reports, the BDS movement has grown or it did until 2018 when Israel said, nope, you can't talk about it anymore. You, your, your visa is denied, so you can't even come in and investigate anymore, which is hilarious to me how much power that is and how that's the only democracy in the Middle East. I call big time, yeah. stinking, fuming, down the street BS. You are an American and democracy should be the utmost, the most important thing to us. So for that reason, I think that our December series is going to be very critical for us to to hear both sides and to learn both sides. And as a Palestinian yourself, I mean, you know, share your thoughts on what happened this weekend, the morning yeah. of October 6th. When you are imprisoned in your own home and then not to have any resources, I mean... When someone is holding a gun outside your house, your head saying, you cannot leave your house and I'm not going to give you anything to survive. Um, there's no, you know, income. There's no medical, um, you know, attention. There's um, no electricity. Water is. is electricity is has just fish. been shut off no? to Palestine. Yeah. yeah. Usually, they only got like usually four hours a mm-hmm. day. You know, so and then they can't even fish in the ocean, which is borders them right there. The, closed off. The beach is closed in, off. Yeah. <laughs> entire, they never were able to go fishing. Yeah. I mean, what is there left to do? What would anybody do if someone's standing outside your house saying you are not going to leave? I'm holding you captive. You're 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 in prison in your own house. You would do everything in your power and your strength to, you know, resist and fight this person. Yeah. So it is totally justified. Um and may Allah be with them. I, 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 they know their precautions. It's, it's going to be, subhanAllah, but everything is Allah's hand. As, as people of faith, alhamdulillah, we know that everything's been written. They they tried diplomacy. They tried election where they won democratically. And and, and even, you know, it was being monitored by the U.S. President Carter and nothing helped. So this really is, is the blame on on the West, on our governments here in the U.S., it's it's it is they have no other option. Yeah, you know, no other option. The loss of civilian life, as- the loss of innocent life on both sides is absolutely unacceptable to us. But what is equally unacceptable to us is the narrative that anybody is defending themselves in this case because that's categorically untrue. The language that is being used to present yeah. Palestinians as the terrorists in not just this case, in every single case yeah, since the 1950s. Yeah. Like you can't defend yourself against the people you're oppressing. You know, it's like if you've ever watched Amistad, right. like you kind of had it coming, man. Like yeah. don't do the crime if you're not willing to do the time. Like 
you know? They're very good at using labels and, and throwing out comments, but there's no context exactly. behind it. Yeah. I mean, there's no context And at the all. history. And the because, average American doesn't yeah. know the history. And so they're willing to sign these clauses that show up in their employment contracts or come up in whatever contracts they're signing. And who knows, one day when you buy a house, maybe they're putting the damn contract in there. And it's yeah. like, we would all go to jail. You know, if that happened, or we would all be losing our homes or losing our jobs. These are our civil liberties at risk. I think that that is huge, so huge um, that even Netflix made a movie about it called Boycott. You want to talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. So it's actually not on Netflix, it's on other venues. Um, Amazon Prime is on, let me see, Google Play, Apple TV, and the Venmo. Oh, thank you. Venmo, yeah. So it's on on those options. Netflix is not uh, not yet on that one. Uh, probably they're going to do it at the end because they lose uh, any privilege when they give it to Netflix. Uh, they sell it to Netflix. They said they lose all. Oh, Netflix has it. ownership. I see. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it has ownership. But yes, alhamdulillah, they um, during the whole ordeal of our the of our you know lawsuit, they followed me and along with two other plaintiffs, the original ones, um, Alan from Arkansas and Mick from uh, Arizona, um, and they followed us with, and you know through the whole time that we were going through the lawsuit and documented everything, and now they made it into a documentary four years later. It took four years actually to film right. it, so so and and really it shows the where everything started, the root of this um, anti-BDS law Mm -hmm. and how there's a whole entire organization uh, in Israel where they're just combating the BDS because that shows you how much it's working. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're willing to go to this extent, you know, they, you know, it's working. So please people do your part and just boycott. It is working. The narrative is coming out. It's the new narrative. They had sold the narrative for such a long time. People are learning the truth, understanding what's happening on the ground. And so now they have to do a silence people. They have to do something to prevent people from learning about it and use scare tactics. And, and that's the point of this um, anti-BDS law. So, but it's working to the point, to the degree they have, it's uh, all men, you know, everybody's is basically out there trying to stop the people from talking about the, um, you know, Palestine and uh, in engaging in the boycotts. Yeah. Um, so alhamdulillah, it's, it's definitely working. Yeah. It's like, um, I think I shared a meme recently and it's, I did not write this meme. I think I got it from the other 98% and it was, um, if you're were if you want to ban books, cause you're afraid of what, uh, people will start thinking as a result of the books. You're not against the books, you're against thinking. So it's the same mm-hmm. thing with this, right? Like social media mm-hmm. has made it possible to see more than one perspective, to see the actual people that are being caged, you know, in um, Philistine. And uh, even when there, there was a movement, uh, there was a movie on Netflix and it was, I would say, very pro-Palestinian. And it was uh, about a village uh, during the Nakba. And... Um, the genocide that was being committed of the Palest- of the Palestinian people at the hands of the Israelis, who, by the way, they yeah. had actually sheltered from the UK anti-Semites um, when the UK was a colonist, right? So in any case, there was all this outcry because the anti-BDS movement was like, don't watch this movie and it's anti-Semitic and it's this and then this and this, but it's a true story. It actually happened to somebody. And so you're saying her experience is not valid. You don't want people to be anti-Semites. You don't want, because- mm-hmm because they they'll become anti-semitic as of learning the palestinian experience what you want mm-hmm. is for people not to know the palestinian experience and i'm like none of us is against jews we both have jewish friends right. we support yeah, jewish people we would stand up if a synagogue was bombed we would stand up if anybody attacked a synagogue and say no this is haram this is evil you may right, not absolutely. do that and everybody has the right to to worship as whatever they want to worship, we will support them. Mm -hmm. We'll stand with them first, but this is a government, right? There's a whole department in the Israeli government that Mm -hmm. is there for marketing development. So they've been writing uh, pamphlets since the 1950s and now they've gotten more sophisticated because technology has gotten more sophisticated. Now we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have all these means of sharing people's individual experiences and these stories matter and stories are affecting people's hearts, they will eventually affect the laws and pocketbooks. So that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, we want people to follow these dominoes and please start thinking critically. We learned in school, when you're reading a source, always look at what that source is. Is it biased? Is it unbiased? Do I need to read now an opposing view? 
if you don't learn to do that, you're going to end up like certain people who get elected president and don't know their butt from their head. You know, like you really want to be a critical thinker. And that I think is one of the advantages of homeschooling that we can bring that back because they don't do that in school anymore. We used to have that subhanAllah when schools had money and people cared about our education, but they stopped at some point and uh, the anti-BDS lobbies grew and now our kids don't get to learn these things. So we teach the unwhitewashed history of our children to our children. And there is a whitewashed history of Israel. Um, And we think it's very, very important that people start following the trails of these laws and continue to fight the good fight and um, continue to support people like you who do it. Is there any other judicial action that you plan to take against the state of Texas or is this where you stop? Because now I see, I see that you're still working in the public school system. So. Mm -hmm. So um, right now I am not um, impacted by any laws and that's the thing. If you're not impacted by a law, you cannot sue anymore. Mm. So you have to be directly impacted. Um, actually, we had, um, there was um, a company, um, um, Houston Engin- Engineering Company in Houston that actually sued the state of Texas uh, sued, uh, because it's a company, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's With more than 10 employees. Yeah. With more time, please. Uh, and amazingly, the judge... SubhanAllah, decided to say, oh, because he's Palestinian, he's the only one that's impacted. And so there's no reason why we should, uh, re, you know, uh, make them sign that the clause. Law. Oh, look at so that. So only, only him, he's only exempt from, he's the only one exempt from the law. No one else exempt because he's Palestinian, since no one else is impacted. And so she worded it in that manner. And I guess, because again, there's that fear tactic, mm-hmm. you know, these, you know, politicians, they, they have that fear of losing their job. They're losing their money because you know these are elected individuals, so they they feel they have that fear uh, of, of that, and so that's why the politicians are what they are because they just run, you know, they play off of the the scare tactics, yeah. you know. But I want to add, add to the point you said about Judaism. Of course, we are, we're not anti-Jewish; Never. we're anti-Zionist. We have to understand the difference between Zionism and Judaism. They do not equate. No. Um, Zionism is like the white supremacy of. Of the, of the Jews, yeah. you know, yeah. it's yeah. their so KKK. It's, it's, yeah, it's like you know, ISIS for Muslims. Uh-huh. You know, we don't support any of these not, people. They don't represent mm-hmm. us. They're the extremist version, which they're trying to drive their agenda by piggybacking on their religion mm-hmm. and coercing people, ignorant people, to follow them. And that's what Zionism is. Yeah. Um, and so we have to understand that. Um, and, and I want to also mention, since your viewers, a lot of them probably have children in public school, please, please be aware of the curriculum, the social studies curriculum in, in their schools right now. They are taking over and uh, erasing the entire um, history of Palestine and Palestine and, and just changing it to their narrative. So please take a stand. Everyone has a role. Even your own children have a role in this. They can write about the facts. They can write reports about Palestine occupation. They can take a stand and educate get the teacher who is the source students who usually is very scared to mention this because they're very controversial at the beginning when my kids were in public school um i would before the you know the uh, the chapter comes up i would talk to the teacher and she would be so worried to the point where she said you know what we're not going to cover that unit in <laughs> let's just not teach and it it's uncomfortable say, okay yeah, not teach <laughs> because they know it's not true yeah. they know that but they don't have the courage to stand up but please everybody has a role in this no matter it's young old you may Male or female, you all have a role in, in this because it's going to impact your children, it's children's children in the future. Yeah. And you're paying taxes for schools. Whether you homeschool or not, you have to pay the school tax. If you live in Absolutely. a district, Absolutely. you're paying school tax anyway. So you're actually paying for this agenda to be taught. Now, mm-hmm. to be completely fair, I never learned anything about Palestine or for that matter, Israel in my entire public school history. And I was K through 12. Um, even in college, I didn't learn anything. Everything that I've learned had to be taught to me um, during my activist years. And even now, like I continue to learn. Um, I learned from my Palestinian friends, you know, whose grandparents experienced being exposed, expunged from their homeland that they'd had for centuries. So those are the actual stories and stuff that I have learned. And, um, you know, people are like, oh, are you Palestinian? <laughs> When I'm like wearing my Palestine like sweatshirt or whatever. And I'm like, no, does that matter? <laughs> you know, I don't need to do that because this right. is something that touches 2 billion humans on the planet. Because what people don't realize, yeah. um, just like that Muslims don't eat meat, I feel like, um, that Jerusalem is the third holiest city for Muslims. 
like they believe in all those prophets that are down there too, you know? So they're very important to us. Father Abraham is just as important to us. Um, so I think all of that stuff is going to be clarified in December and I'm so excited about it. And if you want to come back and talk to us then, that would be amazing. Or if you can send Thank someone. Thank you for doing this really. This is so uh, appreciative of you guys. Yeah, no, we have to, you know, we have to switch sometimes because of what's happening and we know that our listenership, it matters to them. And a, a large portion of our listenership is non-Muslim and they are terrific allies and they want to know and they want to learn and they want to feel safe learning it. And this is where they're going to do it. This is where we're going to get them. So this is for all of them. And, you know, kudos to you for um, being a part of this important production on Amazon Prime. We'll link it in our show notes and we can't wait to find out what your next lawsuit yeah. is going to be. <laughs> Please, I, I encourage you guys to watch the boy, the movie Boycott by Just Vision. Just Vision is an amazing um, production team that's a nonprofit. It is run by journalists, activists, storytellers, and they basically fill in the gap for, for Israel and Palestine. And they have done several movies, numerous movies um, on the ground. This is the first one actually in the U.S., mm -hmm. the first document in the U.S. Most of theirs are all on the ground. And they have countless number of people that work with them from all uh, you know professions. Um, so I do encourage you guys to look up Just Vision and their multiple movies and documentaries they have. Share them with friends. Have a movie night. Uh, and please... Um, you know, spread the word about this and learn the facts. Yeah, because Palestine is just one place where um, former Western colonizers, I say former very loosely, um, former Western colonizers have wreaked havoc. There's many other places in the world mm -hmm. where we've not learned the history. Like look at New Zealand and Australia, go over there too. Mm -hmm. Same kind of situation yep. where you cage people indigenous people. So um, it's going to be really important. And we are so glad that you're doing well and that um, you're able to work, alhamdulillah, and that you won yeah. your case because that happened after our recording. So I'm very, very glad about that. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. No, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for sharing with us and um, can't wait to hear back from you. Thank you so much. It was nice to be here and, and to see you. <laughs> Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.